0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: I've got an idea. I'm going to get some fake blood. <laughs> yeah, I know. This, it goes downhill from here. I'm going to get some fake blood and I'm going to put it in these capsules and I'm going to get some medical tape and I'm going to tape it behind my ears. And sometime during the scene, when I get the feeling, I'm going to slap my ears, you know, and have these convulsions and blood's just going to go everywhere.
2: Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I've got this book that's like a Bible or something like this. I think, yeah, it's a great idea, Wilbur. I didn't get anybody's else's uh, suggestions. I just said, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you didn't That's, run that by
2: any of your buddies. I didn't run it by anybody. And <laughs> oh well. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry, and then I make them share an embarrassing audition story with me. It's always a lot of fun. If you're not subscribed to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to it now, and leave us some love in the form of reviews and ratings. I know I say it every time, and I know it's annoying, but hey, it's helpful. It's been a couple weeks. I hope you all are doing good out there in the world. Um, Took an unintentional break didn't really know I was gonna be doing that. Um, so I'm sorry, but we're back. Yay. What's new? What's new? What's new? Uh, not too much is new. Um, I guess maybe, oh, I have something new. I was a part of this really fun, um, podcast called Table Read, where we take these scripts that have been, that haven't been produced and um we recorded it in a studio all of us together a live table read and then they put in really cool like sound effects and music and all that kind of stuff afterwards Uh, my friend Sean uh, Sharma was the spearheader and asked me to be a part of it um so I'm in one of the the scripts called Little Man and I think there's three or four parts of it out at this point anyway it's on um Apple and all that fun stuff too. And it's it's a really fun ride and it's a really cool concept for a podcast. So check it out. Okay, let's get to today's show. Today I have an incredible actor who has been in hundreds of things. Honestly, it's pretty freaking crazy. He was an anchorman too. The founder, Hunger Games Catching Fire. He was on Prison Break, One Tree Hill, Friday Night Lights, In the Heat of the Night, Drop Dead Diva. I, there's literally so many things. I can't even name them all. But today, we're talking about uh, two new things that he's in. First is On a Wing and a Prayer, which is on Amazon Prime. And of course, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. How cool. Here is my conversation with Wilbur Fitzgerald. And welcome to the show, Wilbur!
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
2: Oh, gosh. I'm so excited to have you on here. I am, um, you know, looking at all of the incredible work you've done throughout your entire career. It's, it's amazing to me. And I love having actors on the show that have just proven that longevity and sticking to it, it all works out in the end.
1: You know, it, it does. And it, it's, a. as I say to a lot of actors, especially younger actors, it's a process. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's always a process. And as you, as you age into certain roles, age out of certain roles, it's kind of interesting. So to to embrace the changes, yeah, just makes it to me more exciting, and that's what fortunately I've been able to do. I mean, there have been there have been ups and downs and slow periods, but because it's what I love to do, mm. then I've been able to stay with it and uh, and always always learn always learn new things, and that's what's that's what's been cool about working with really quality people over the years is learning new stuff along Mm. the way. And I'll just tell you this quick, quick story. So several years ago, a few years ago now, I worked on the movie Sully, directed by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And Clint gave me a nice little role in there, which was wonderful. And um, just watching a guy like that work so quietly on on this very very well organized set. You know, he comes in, everything's, everything's set up. He never calls action. He just, he'll say, okay, anytime now, you know, and it's very, very calm. And then at some point he'll say, okay, you can stop, you know?
2: Whoa.
1: So this one particular actor who's kind of well, well known for certain qualities he has as a, as a, as a New York kind of character and tough guy. So he had a role in there and it kind of surprised me. He just didn't seem to be as prepared as I thought anybody would be when mm. you're going to work for Clint Eastwood.
2: Yeah. Like the, the King of Hollywood.
1: <laughs> I mean, come on. so uh, it was interesting. So he had, I could tell he was not, he might, maybe he was nervous and that, yeah. come on, that happens. So, you know, the, the, the scene the scene they did a quick rehearsal, not much. And you could tell the guy was uh, was was not quite on mm. with his lines and everything. So nothing was said. So Clint Eastwood started the started the everything, camera was rolling, he said, okay, okay, any anytime now. And the guy started, and you could tell he just wasn't up on his lines, mm. but there's no there was no stopping it. Clint just let the scene go and let the and let it continue without saying anything so the guy just kept kind of working it going back and forth and it was obvious that at some point Clint Eastwood had probably gotten what he needed and he said okay you can stop now so there's no embarrassment he just he just didn't it's kind of like an improv he just Clint just didn't stop the scene he just let the cameras keep rolling until the guy just uh, you know came up with enough that yeah like, all right, all right. that's you.
2: such a um i feel like that's such a a thing that directors who are actors can relate to because i think that you know the fact that he is such an incredible actor and he knows what it takes for himself to get there for his fellow right. actors to get there it makes him um it makes him an actor's director
1: which i've always loved and sometimes <laughs> let's face it you just you just have a lousy day. I mean, yeah. I'm not putting it on that actor, but you just you don't feel great or something something else is going on.
2: Something in your personal life. There's so many things that could be affecting so how you show up to set. That's
1: that's right. But but Clint handled it like I've you know, there was because I've been on a few sets here and there where there was some yelling. Yeah. <laughs> was a little I won't go into any names here, details, but it's like that doesn't help matters. Mm-mm. That just creates that just creates more tension and tension that's not and stress and then you're just And as an like, actor you don't you don't need that additional layer of tension. <laughs> no. You're already you know.
2: You're already wanting to to yeah. vomit half the time. Um <laughs> uh, well I'd love to go back to the to the start of your career and and talk about what um, made you want to be an actor and how you got into it and how you kind of found your way.
1: I sorta of didn't know I wanted to be an actor. I just... From high school on, because I was a pretty good student, especially in certain subjects, I thought, you know, I I just think it'll be, I think it'd be fun or cool or something to be a lawyer. Mm. So, you know, went to college, majored in English, uh, then went to law school, loved law school. Wow. Sometime sometime during my law school years, I realized, okay, maybe, I I don't know what this is going to be like after law school, but I became everybody's favorite witness in these mock trials that you had to participate in in your last year of law school, because (laughs) I turned out I was very good at improv and you couldn't, you couldn't catch me in a lie when I was, when I was a witness. And so, and I was funny. And, and so I became everybody's favorite witness because I was, you know, I, I'd help them, I'd help them win their case. Little did I know that that performing would sort of set something off like, you know, like this
2: oh my gosh
1: so I got out of law school went with a law firm still wasn't terribly excited about practicing and you know being around lawyers is not the most pleasant thing in the world
2: no, no right. it can be pretty depressing <laughs>
1: you know and uh, and I just realized at some point you know what this is not what I'm going to do as a career and mm-hmm. I found a I found a class you know in my hometown in Atlanta and, and uh got into this little class and thought oh wow this is this is fun you know, and met an agent and I was at the age at that time where, you know, I'd started playing these young dads in commercials. Mm. And given the market we had in Atlanta even back in the eighties, there were there were industrial films going on all the time, commercials. I got into I fell into the whole voiceover world, which was wonderful. And when I started working, I was working all the time. Wow. And and then I then I booked my first movie with Johnny Cash and Andy Griffith.
2: What? You
1: know, called Murder in Coyota County. And I was a lawyer and they cast me as the prosecutor. <laughs> well, that was a great kickoff. That was back when they had movies of the week. This was a CBS movie of the week. Wow. So, but I was working constantly on something.
0: Mm. And
1: to me, whether it was an industrial film or commercial, it was all the same. It was acting work. And I was, I was working on my craft. Mm. Because some of that, some of that writing is like an industrial stuff. It's horrible. So gotta, oh, it's horrible! You gotta like, yeah, it, you got to bring it to life somehow. Yeah, you know. And so that was my challenge. I didn't come into the business in 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 the theater. Sort of wish I had, looking back, because I've worked with so many wonderful actors over the years, and and they've had that great theater training, and I mm. I didn't have that, but I had I had another training ground that was pretty good. Mm. So, that's, so amazing. That, that's how I got into it. And then I spent some years in New York because I got into the whole voiceover world, which was wonderful. It did a lot of work uh, in, in commercials. And then I did movie trailers, which I loved, and uh, a lot of promos for stuff. And uh, then I got into the kind of the, the dark world. I'll say it, it's not it. Well, it is a dark world. I got into doing political commercials you know these horrible dark things like so you know talking about these guys and but I had that voice for it right and and I tell actors who they say oh I'd love to do voiceovers I said well I'm sure somebody told you you had a lovely voice or something it's like yeah they said had a great voice it's like and that's good and that's part of it but my suggestion is work on acting first because voiceover calls on you to do everything mm-hmm. it, it ain't just about the voice
2: no you still have to get all of the emotion that you normally would get shown on your face through your voice and it's That's right. it's harder in my opinion because you don't yeah, have your face to be able know, to show
1: and a short story in voiceover which i have a, had this wonderful voiceover coach out here in la and she said she would say you know voiceover voice voiceover is a lie detector test hmm okay she said for example um she was reading someone over the phone she was coaching someone over the phone and um it was i think a commercial or something about about steak or something and my coach said to her said she was doing the commercial reading it over the phone and she said um or she said, "You don't, you don't like meat, do you?" She said, "No, no, no, I'm a vegetarian." She said, "That comes through loud and clear,
2: mm.
1: you know." And another commercial, another thing along the same way. This, this, this big one of the big beer campaigns was being developed by this ad firm, and they had um, the guys along the way had selected this woman to do the, to be the new voice. It's like cool, you know, great. And then the, the the head honcho of the whole campaign listened to all the stuff that she recorded and he said no. No, I, we, I I don't no, she's not right. I said, What do you mean? She said, he said, She doesn't drink beer. It's like, whoa. Wow. He just he could hear that in the voice. Wow! You just hear that, you know, bringing that, and we know that as actors, even beyond voiceover, that if you bring your judgment to the script, it'll kill it. Possibly, you can't, mm. you can't do that. So that's a so you have to trick yourself sometimes into a substitution or something. But it's you know it's that it's being aware of your judgment and how that comes through. Yes. Yeah on screen, on camera, as well as in voiceover,
2: you know? Yeah, I mean, the Fascinating second, business, business. it's it's wild because the second that you even judge your own character and start making assumptions about them, you're then changing how you're going to play it. I mean, if you're, if you're playing somebody who is cheating on their spouse and you automatically have a, oh, well, why would they do this? Then you're already judging the character and you're already like disconnecting yourself from what you could do with the character.
1: That's right. And so you have to... You know, I, as my acting teacher in New York would say, she I, I might be doing a, a scene or something, uh, in uh, K. Michael Patton's class, and uh, get through, and she said, Wilbur, um, what were you working on? I'd say, Well, I was working on so and so. She said, Well, I didn't see that. Hmm. It's like, oh, so let's figure out a way to get in there and solve the problem. And and that's it's and so so much of this business. Is, is problem solving yeah and in and on the casting side somebody said years ago to me he said you know casting casting is problem solving it's like oh and I thought yeah I'm a lawyer mm-hmm. uh, when I walk into the room and I'm reading for a lawyer and I'm dressed in my suit and just look you know impeccable as a lawyer immediately there's that impression and then you see the resume it's like oh he is a lawyer it's mm-hmm like, all right. Well, we've we've solved that problem.
2: Yeah. Next. Well, and you've you've seemed to played a lot of different like judges and lawyers and prosecutors, but that's because it's it's almost a part of you already. It, it, so it's, it's very
1: it's very much a part of me. And I ended yeah. up sometimes being a consultant. Yeah. You know, they say, hey, would would it would this actually take place in the courtroom? And it's like, well, you know. So that's kind of that's kind of been been fun. That's you know, cool. I played a lawyer in this interesting movie years ago that Robert Altman directed. Wow. The Gingerbread Man it had a great cast, you know, Kenneth Branagh Jr. and Robert Downey. It was just, it was a Robert Duvall. And wow. I read for it and I learned something with, that was completely different that I'd ever experienced because I played a few lawyers. Robert Altman knew I was an attorney and and they were close to finishing casting and he sent a note back from the casting director saying, asking, said, uh, did, did this guy, did Wilbur have any, did he have any honors in law school? Hmm. Thought, that's a, that's a weird question. I mean, I'm playing this judge and, you know, so fortunately I did, I was on the law review and the moot court team and a few other things. And so that answer was sent back and it was like, okay. All right, he's my guy.
2: Wow. So it
1: was just that one of those quirks, like with Robert Altman, where he wanted, in certain roles, he wanted total authenticity plus. And, you know, if he was going to cast a photographer, he wanted maybe a real photographer who was accomplished or something. So, you know, you never, you just, you never know, right?
2: And that, you know, kind of goes back to, I talked to a lot of young actors and ones who are currently deciding in college and whatnot. And I always say to them, like, Obviously, you want to study your craft, but to be a great actor, you need to study other things. You need to know all. You need to know about law. You need to know about a little bit about medicine. You need to be able to have these outside experiences outside of the performing arts that you're able to bring to the character because that's what makes you a nuanced person.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, you've, you've got to maintain got to maintain that curiosity
2: mm-hmm.
1: about, about other things. And if you happen to get cast in a good role where you're a doctor, I've played a doctor, a neurosurgeon several times, uh, you, you know, do some research because you could end up, you could easily end up adding to the character, adding to the script because you've read and you know how certain things about a neurosurgeon.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'll give you
1: kind of an interesting for me, it was an interesting example. Recently, I worked on this movie called On a Wing and a Prayer, based on a true story. Dennis Quaid, Heather Graham, wonderful true story now on Amazon Prime. And so I'm playing this pilot of this private plane. And we take off, everything's fine. I look like I'm this kind of this older pilot who's in good shape. And at about eight 9,000 feet, I keel over dead with a heart attack. Oh my God. And so then the adventure really begins because in those situations, 99.9% where you have a pilot go out like that, the plane crashes, everybody dies. Yeah. This was a true story. And and the big exception to that, because they have, they end up, it's a great story, end up landing the plane. Like I said, based on a true story,
2: Wow. The cool
1: thing for me as an actor was, I'm not a pilot, but Dennis Quaid, who was in my right seat so in this twin-engine plane, Dennis is a pilot, and he is an accomplished
2: mm. pilot.
1: And he actually flies as one of his planes. He actually flies this particular plane in the movie, this King Air 200. He, he's Like I said, he's a really accomplished pilot. He's been doing this for years and years. So I'm sitting there, as this actor, flying the plane, doing various things during takeoff. Dennis is over there, and suddenly becomes my consultant. He's like, "No push here. No, no push your hand here. No, you do this." And it's like, "Wow, what a what a, what an interesting bonus I had. Yeah. You know, this wonderful actor who ends up being my consultant as as the pilot."
2: so Mm. yeah I mean your your hobbies your other interests it all helps you it helps your fellow actors it just it helps tell the story it's so easy to like get caught in like the entertainment world and think only about acting or I need to get my next job or I need to do this and it's like no you need to have a full life so that you can bring that in
1: of, uh, a definitely as, as full of life as possible because you you bring so you bring so much more to it And I think the other thing is we're always looking for we're always looking you know some people have to deal with nerves sometimes a lot. We're always looking for ways to to, to, ha- to be to actually be confident
2: mm-hmm.
1: in what we're doing yeah and be and immediately step in and be part of the team, be one of the equals. And of course, my my way of my way of doing that is about one thing, and that's preparation. Hmm. Because let's face it, the more prepared you are, the less chance you're going to be thrown by anything that happens. Hmm. Or if uh, you know, I can. When I was working on a *Curious Case of Benjamin Button* years ago, interesting movie, and and I I was uh, I was in a really tight. Time situation because I had I was as soon as I left the set I had to fly back to Dallas to work on Prison Break I was in the middle oh. of that and but I but but boy and I knew I was in a time crunch to get out of there and fly go back to Dallas and uh, it was so wonderful because I was so prepared that once the director started saying okay now take that out of the scene and put this in and he was I was suddenly moving lines around and stuff there's no you couldn't throw me no matter what because I was so so prepared mm. and it and it and and I guess it kind of hit me that day this is this is where intense preparation and rehearsal can make all the difference in the world yeah.
2: what is that um what does that process look like for you do you have certain things that you do that you is part of how you prepare like do you write it all down do you just read it a thousand times what's your thing
1: i i do depending on the role i do i always write it out Mm -hmm. i i make notes i will i've got some good actor friends and we'll we'll talk about it uh because the more you know about it the more not only confidence you'll have but i think it, it also will allow you, if the scene, you know, sometimes you try to get away with something. I always do by improvising some or adding something to the scene. So you, the more you know that material and understand that material, the better prepared you're going to be to shift and make and make it and make it more interesting and mm-hmm. make it and make it yours and mm-hmm. own it. Because you you've you've got to, I mean, one or two lines that's different, but in a real role, you've got to own that role, mm, and that's so just true. that's just repetition and preparation and over and over and over until you've got it down so much. You you go in there, you don't act it, you go in there and live it.
2: Mm. You know, you have worked on so many things that I love, um, and it would be impossible to go over all of them in. <laughs> you know, 45 minutes, but I would love to know, um, just what, what role, let's say in your, in your TV career has really stuck with you through the years? Cause there's been so many and I can't even imagine how you decide.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I, there, you know, I gotta say early on, I have to give credit to, uh, the late great Carol O'Connor, because I worked on this Southern show in the heat of the night. I did mm-hmm. something like 40 episodes, and I was the prosecutor. And you know, when you have a when you have a long run like that over several seasons, you you become not only part of that family, but you really know that you really know that character. Mm-hmm. And so that was a significant thing for me as a younger actor to have a role like that that gave me a lot of confidence that exposed me to a lot of Carol O'Connor's friends, like George C. Scott would come in, uh, you know, the late Burgess Meredith, who was a character would come in. Mm -hmm. So Carol had all this influence with these old friends. Claude Akins came in and played this bad guy who kidnapped my daughter. So, and, and the thing about that is when you deal with a lot of these, these old Hollywood greats, these character actors. Like, for example, I was doing this, I was doing this scene with Claude Akins, mm-hmm. great old character actor, you know, from Westerns, Planet of the Apes, everything. Ter- terrific guy. We're about to do a scene where he shoots me. And, and he knows my close-up is coming up. So, he said, uh, Wilbur, uh, why don't you go back to the makeup trailer and have them add some liner under both of your eyes, just right under here. He said, it'll make your eyes pop out in the close up. I thought, oh, thanks. I went back and did that. You know, so wow. many, so many terrific actors will give you these little tips that they've just learned over the years. Yes. And that's what's great about working with so many, you know, experienced people. They just give you these little things like, oh, okay. Or somebody will say, Wilbur in this scene, why don't you walk a little bit faster? Because it'll be slower on camera, so mm. faster you walk, the better it'll show up, and the more you'll be in the scene. It's like, oh, I didn't know. Okay, thanks.
2: Mm. You know. You've, you've fun. shared fun working, some like, fun really cool stories from people who are legends and current legends, and I mean, it really has sounded like you've had some truly incredible experiences throughout your career and you've been blessed to work with like really nice people, which is nice to hear.
1: Yeah. Mostly, mostly, mostly very nice people. And, you know, I tell other, I tell people, I said, you know, usually, I mean, usually the bigger they are, the nicer they are. Mm -hmm. And I think we all find that to be the case.
2: We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. And back to the show. Well, on this show, we uh, we like to share audition stories. Um, yes. That can be something funny that's happened in the room, something tragic, uh, the role that got away. Is there a story that you would like to share with the listeners?
1: There is one story, and, and it and it it gives you insight into how both uh, reckless I can be, how bold I can be how creative I think I am sometimes. It's like, okay. So I'm, re- I'm reading for this movie. Took place a number of years ago. Directed by this French director, Eric Vallée. Hell of a nice guy. So I have a callback for this role as this, like, a priest-type character. Mm. And it's a, it's kind of a horror film. And there's some sort of demon virus in, in that's being passed along in the cell phone that kills people. You know, one of those crazy movies called One Missed Call.
2: One Missed Call.
1: And so I'm read. I have a callback in, in in-person callback for the director and the casting director who I knew. So in the scene, this, this priest is, he's trying to, he's, he's doing an exorcism, trying to get the demon out of the phone.
2: Hmm.
1: (laughs) And, and it doesn't work because the demon takes him over and, you know, he's, he's going, and it just takes him over and he's in convulsions and his, he starts blood starts coming from his oh ears and all this. And I thought, oh boy, well, how do I, what do I do with this? I thought, ah, I've got an idea. I'm going to get some fake blood. <laughs> yeah, I know this, it goes downhill from here. I'm going to get some fake blood and I'm going to put it in these capsules And I'm going to get some medical tape, and I'm going to tape it behind my ears. And sometime during the scene, when I get the feeling, I'm going to slap my ears, you know, and have these convulsions, and blood's just going to go everywhere.
2: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I've got this book that's like a Bible or something like this. I think, yeah, it's a great idea, Wilbur. I didn't get anybody else's. Uh, suggestions. I just said, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you didn't That's run the, that this, by
2: any of your buddies. <laughs> I didn't run it by anybody. And,
1: <laughs> oh well. So, um, so I started thinking about it though, like the day of the uh, the day of the callback, and I thought, oh man, uh, it's kind of hot. What if, what if that tape fails, and I'm in the middle of the audition, and the and the blood kind of like drops down and hangs there, like an earring or something. It's like, you know, I better not chant. I better not. I better not chance that. So I said, Plan B. I'm going to put these blood capsules inside the Bible thing that I'm using during the exorcism. I'm going to I'm going to tape them inside the book, and if I get the feeling during the audition, I will slap the book, break the vessels, and then kind of do something to have blood coming out of my ears or something like that. So that was my plan. Go in the audition. Have the director, lovely guy, and somebody's videoing it over there. Well, the casting director who I knew had stepped out, and she stepped out during my audition, during my callback. So sure enough, I get in there and I'm just I'm just doing this crazy thing, and I slap the book and the blood goes everywhere, and it's all, you know, my face, my ears. <sighs> and I get through, and you know, the director just kind of you know looks at me. And about that time, the casting director comes back in the room, like I say, who I know very well, and she sees me. She goes, "Wilbur, what, what happened? What <laughs> happened to you?" And the director very calmly looks over at her and says, um, "Special effects." And and uh, I thought, okay, well, I didn't get that role, but he kind of he kind of rewarded me for my whatever it was mm-hmm. my ingenuity and my stupidity and my craziness and, and gave me another role which was pretty nice actually so i don't know the moral of that story other than you still have to take chances you got yeah
2: i mean clearly gotta, it kind of worked out
1: <laughs> it it worked out but you you've just got to do things that are within some measure of sanity but I love the, that
2: you, like, nearly gave that casting director a heart attack. She probably thought that you had, like, a like some sort of thing happen while she was outside yeah, the room. Yeah, so like,
1: like I'd injured myself because there was, <laughs> was blood all over my face oh my and my God. ears. And I just certainly didn't tell her what I was going to
2: do. Well, you know? no.
1: So she just saw the aftermath. And it took a while to clean myself up. But it's like, okay, well, I did it. What the heck?
2: He- yeah, you did it, and you ended up with a role. So who cares? <laughs>
1: ended up with a role. It was a fun role. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was good with Ed Bur- Ed Burns and Margaret Cho. Anyway, we had a good time.
2: That's amazing. Honestly, that's maybe one of my favorite stories I've heard. I mean, that takes some like serious guts to pull something off like that.
1: <sighs> yeah, and you and you just you know you just have to be as my one of my photographer friends uh, who who ended up teaching me how to shoot. That's a whole other story. Taught me how to shoot video. I'm very good at shooting these video auditions because I learned by this, learned from this incredible photographer who, mm. who taught me how to shoot video cinematically. So my stuff just really pops. pops, really looks good. And that's, that's the challenge we have today as actors Yeah, is what do we do? We're not going in the room. Mm-hmm. How do we make this? How do we, how do we get their attention? In the first three seconds, and hold their attention. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's, so it's a challenge. Um, Before we go, but, we have to talk about "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." Oh yeah, because I mean, one, it's a classic, and two, you're playing a classic character. So, how was it working with Kathy Bates and Rachel McAdams, and just bringing this, you know, truly quintessential book for so many young women to life?
1: And I don't think when I first got this project i because i didn't read that book growing up and i just didn't realize the the magnitude and the power of this book and the influence that it's had on more than one generation now so many 50 years ago and the the author judy bloom who was at the premiere the other night (gasps) what a lovely woman oh i mean just so and was very complimentary to me which meant the world, but working with Bates, oh my God, you talk about a force of nature. Mm. This woman, so much fun to work with, and she is hilarious <laughs> in the movie. I And so when we first met on the set, she was very honest. She said, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I said, what? I said, what? She said, well, I haven't worked in a couple of years. You know, this was after, this was this was in 21. So mm. it was after the pandemic and she just hadn't worked like a lot of people. She said, I'm just kind of nervous. So let's, let's just go off and get to know each other and talk. And I said, yeah. So we did. And we connected because I'm her boyfriend in the movie. Mm-hmm. So we have to have this lovely sort of romantic connection, you know? So we got off, got to sort of know each other and talked and everything. And it was just, it was a blast and it shows on the screen she is just remarkable and then there's Rachel who is it, just it's just radiant yeah and i don't it's just i just sort of discovered her depth mm-hmm. and she's wonderful in the movie i told her the other night after the premiere i said you know um i couldn't help but think the whole time i was watching you what a wonderful mother you must be because she has a couple of children, yeah, and and that was that was what came across to me. She's so, she's so real. She's so just. She's got this way of expressing herself. It's just, uh, it, it it just it's it's so touching.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: movie itself, it's. I, I thought, ah, I'm a guy. Am I? Is this movie going to really be something that I like? Well, first of all, you've got James Brooks yeah. as a producer. I mean, come on.
2: Doesn't give a twitter. And then
1: you've got uh, Kelly Freeman Craig as the director, who's so smart. It would the movie is hilarious. And it's also very touching because there are a lot of universal themes in there, like that you that any person would have as growing up. It's like, what what do you mean I'm gonna be a Christian? Or what do you mean I'm gonna be a Jew or a Catholic? You know, there are these there's a lot of confusion through mm-hmm. those adolescent years, and it really comes out in this in this movie is so sweet but it is very very funny
2: oh I, I can't wait to see it
1: <laughs> so my my wonderful manager Christine McLean and I went and I was taken great care of my Lionsgate had a fun time on the the beige or the gold carpet mm. as it is now you know and uh and and it was one of those great sort of parties after where you, you actually had a chance to spend time with producers and Judy Bloom, and James Brooks, and so it was just, and it, you know, it's one of these things where you knew when you went to the party, the movie had been so good, the screening had been so good and so successful. Nobody was looking around like, oh, you know, what do we say? It just wasn't that good, you know. We're supposed right. to have a good time here. I mean, the spirit, the the energy in that room was unbelievable because it really, the movie really is that good. Oh. I gotta say,
2: oh, I cannot wait! It's so I I
1: am. I feel very fortunate, really, very lucky to be a part of this because my character is he's he's kind of a little bit of a goofy guy, which is fine by me. And so, uh, and I have some nice I have some nice time up on the screen with with Bates and Rachel and all that. So, you know, there there is just there is just that element in our business of luck. you have nothing to do with it it just sometimes happens
2: yep that's so true uh speaking of luck do you have anything else that you're working on currently or that um is coming out soon
1: i have um i have some possibilities there is another i just read for another uh clint eastwood movie Um,
2: i just saw that he was going to be directing one at 93 that is so wild
1: can you believe it? No. And, and, this is, and this is a guy who will not be sitting over there in a rocking chair. Right. This is a guy who will be directing.
2: Oh, wild!
1: Movies. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens on that. But I read for a nice a nice role, and, and I have a few other things that are kind of out there simmering. So yeah. it's nice, you know. feels feels good, and and I feel you know I I feel more inspired than ever to to do that. I love doing this work. And I gotta say, back to the video, because I shoot really wonderful video for my auditions. I'm probably more excited about the audition process mm-hmm. than I ever have been. As much as I'd like to go back into the room yeah. and do what I do, it's shooting the video is, is really is really fun to me. So that's been a big learning experience. And it gives me it also it's interesting, it gives me a different perspective when I'm on a set. Because I love mm-hmm. talking to DPs. And I love to talk about lighting that's all evolved and changed oh yeah so much in the last five to, to ten years. And so you know the, the, the more you the more you understand the whole process going on around you, I think the better actor you'll become
2: hundred percent.
1: Right? You know, because my way of looking at and the other thing I do want to mention that I'm very proud of because fourteen years ago I worked on creating the tax credits, tax incentives in Georgia.
2: Oh my gosh. That's where I
1: got a special Emmy a few years ago. Me and three other people met with the governor at that time and gave our proposal. We came up with this idea, this logo of the Georgia Peach that would be put in movies and TV shows to brand the state. And so because we were we were sort of on the verge of about to lose our business at that time to Louisiana because they had changed their incentive formula Mm. and suddenly between Louisiana and Georgia, there was a, a wide enough gap where the business would probably shift more towards Louisiana. So um, we met with the governor, gave our proposal for an increased incentive, mm-hmm. putting in the Georgia logo, et cetera, et cetera. He loved it. He made us jump through the hoops and create you know, a, an ROI, return on investment yeah. report, which we did. And Eventually, he liked it, and he said, hey, if you can get it passed, I won't veto it. We said, that's fair enough. Wow. And we did, and uh, it's created quite an industry in Georgia.
2: Yeah, thousands of jobs. Thousands.
1: Thousands of jobs, a lot of brick-and-mortar studios, none of which are incentivized. They're just there to respond to all the work, all the production work that's there. So I'm very proud of that, because to me this business becomes about not just being an actor but it becomes about the crew it becomes about all the people who are your family
2: mm-hmm. when you
1: go back to these sets it's it's you're just you're an actor but it's you're part of the you're part of the whole team and that's fun yeah. to me
2: you're part of the Make larger picture here
1: everybody I just these are it's just it, it's it's fun it's really fun.
2: Um, it has been such a joy talking to you, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours about so many different things. Um, but how can people follow you? Do you have social media so that they can keep up with what you're doing?
1: I am on Instagram. There we go. Uh, I'm back on Instagram because I was hacked last year by oh, no. some character in Nigeria, and they stole my whole account oh, and started soliciting money. It's like, what the hell? So, But I'm back on as, as Wilbur T dot fitzgerald dot esq meaning esquire Mm, Esquire. esq wilbert Wilbert T. dot fitzgerald dot esq
2: love that well everyone should follow you i'm so excited to see your new film and i'm so excited to see uh what else you do and it's been just such a lovely lovely time getting to know you and um again i feel like i'm gonna have to have you on at another time to talk about everything else because there's so much we'll do
1: we'll do part two part two
2: coming soon one of these days (laughs)
1: What a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. See you soon.
2: Thanks again to Wilbur for coming on the show. Make sure to check out On a Wing and a Prayer, which is on Amazon Prime. And of course, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Hits theaters April 28th. Go see it. I am so excited. If you want to see the whole interview, you can check out our Patreon. Those links are in the show notes. And you can become a subscriber and see us talk face to face. Tune in next week for another fun-filled episode with another embarrassing story. And as always, thanks for coming in.
0: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale.
1: You can eat it.